Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Amen. Well, it's been a great series, hasn't it? And uh, But we got to go one more week. I know Pastor Chris said last week he's finishing it, but this week the Lord gave me a little addendum, and I feel like I need to share that with you. But I thought um, everybody's done such a great job. We welcome those of you that are watching online. We especially welcome one of the newest uh, uh, people just graduate uh, from boot camp and all that stuff, Keisha. Uh, we're glad you're watching online from uh, Chicago, and uh, she'll be on her way to Japan. And uh, we just thank God for all of our young people who serve God. We have people watching today from New York, South Carolina, North Carolina, all around, and we welcome you. We're so glad that you are here. Well, if you have your Bible, would you hold it up, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you read from, and let's make this confession today. Let's say it. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess My heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great worship. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we don't take that for granted because we know a lot of people go to church every week and it's just the same old thing. Just sick them outside, pass me on by, and all the other things. But Lord, your presence is so real. Thank you for our worship team that loves you. They don't perform, that they worship. Thank you that this church is full of people who worship you, that don't just stand, but they worship you. Because you're worthy of worship. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. So Lord, today as we look at this teaching that you've laid on my heart, I pray you help me to say what I should say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say, Lord. I pray today at the end of this teaching that you will be glorified, the saints will be edified, and the enemy will be terrified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, I want to give you another life hack. I read this story the other day, and I've heard the story a couple of times, and I thought it was worthy of just sort of reading it again. There's a bricklayer in the French West Indies sent a letter to his boss explaining why he needed some sick leave. And here's what he said. I arrived at the job that you sent me after the storm, checked the building out, and saw that the top needed repairs. So I rigged a hoist and a boom, attached the rope to a barrel, and pulled bricks to the top. When I pulled the barrel to the top, I secured the rope at the bottom. After repairing the building, I went back to fill the barrel with the leftover bricks. I went down, released the rope to lower the bricks, and the barrel was heavier than I, and it jerked me off the ground, but I decided to hang on. But halfway up, I met the barrel coming down, and I received a blow on my shoulder, but I hung on and went to the top where I hit my head on the boom, caught my fingers in the pulley. In the meantime, the barrel hit the ground and burst open, throwing bricks everywhere. This made the barrel lighter than I, and I started down at a high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up, and I received a blow to my shins. I continued down, fell up on the bricks, received cuts and bruises. At the same time, I must have lost presence of mind. Because I let go of the rope and the barrel came down, hit me on the head, and I respectfully asked for some sick leave. Wow. Wow. You ever had a day like that? 
one thing after another. Some of you saying a day like that, my whole week has been like that, or maybe a month like that. It just seems like one thing after another, maybe not physically, but emotionally. And it just seems, there are seasons in our life, say seasons. I say seasons because I don't want you to think it's all the time. But there are seasons in our life when it seems like that it's just one thing after another thing, after another thing, after another thing. I mean, it's, it's all right if it's like one thing that comes against you, but it's when after the, that one, then something else and something else and something else, it just begins to crush on you. Trouble, delays, financial crisis, a wayward child, sickness, closed doors, people that betray you. And in a time like that, my question is, what will you do? What will you do? Now, we all like to say, in times of crisis, in times of difficulty, I will trust in God. How many of you ever said that, right? But how many of you know that saying that is easier than doing that sometimes? So I want to give you a life hack that's going to help you when it just seems like things, 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 things keep coming and mounting upon you. It's from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord, read it with me, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Look back at the beginning of that verse, it says, trust in the Lord. The word trust there is the word batak, say batak, not batak, batak, all right, know a little Hebrew now. It means to cling to, to cling to, to hold on and not let go. That means that if you're going to hold on to and trust God, you're going to have to let go of some other things that you've been holding to instead of trusting God. In other words, maybe you've been holding to, I'll figure this out on my own. I will get over this. I will master this. I will come up with this. You know, after all, I'm in charge of everything. And so we hold tight to that. No, it says, trust in the Lord. I'm going to cling to him. I'm going to hold on to him, to what he says. So let me give you a story in the Old Testament that will help us today. And if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Because it's a story of a, a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. We can just call him Japhat for short, all right? Jehoshaphat, he was a great king. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, let's beginning at verse 1. It says, after this. Now, in the Bible, when you read after this, that should make you say, well, after what? Well, you go back to chapter 19. In chapter 19, Jehoshaphat led a great revival to his nation. See, sometimes, and that's important because sometimes we think when adversity comes and this comes and that comes and something else comes, it's because we fail God. It's because we're not trusting him. It's because, but here he is, he had a great revival. But after this great revival, then he gets this, he gets this warning. Listen to this. Chapter verse 20, verse 1. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minuites and the Cellulites declared war. <laughs> your, your Bible doesn't say that. Okay. I guess I got a modern translation here. Messengers came and told Japhat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazon Tamer, that is another name for Engedi, 
And so he said, there's a great army coming against you, three ites. And so I remember that how that we have three enemies that we fight, remember? The world, the flesh, and the devil. So here it is, it, uh, Jehoshaphat, Japhat, gets a truth that, look, it's not just one army, but it's another army and another army and another army. And they've all come against you to defeat you. Now, I'm telling you that today, and this story is for someone that maybe you weren't even planning on being here today, or maybe you're watching online. It's a story to remind you that God sees what you've been attacked by. He sees the difficulty that's happened in your family, in your job, and in your life. And he's saying to you today, that, that's why it's so important to never miss church. Because God's going to say something to someone today who's thought, how can I handle all this? What can I do with this? Well, we want to study and see what Japhat did and learn from how that he learned to trust God. And God gave him victory. So here it is. If you're taking notes, number one, pray first. Say that with me. Pray first. Not last, pray first. Somebody says, oh, we need to pray about this. Oh, is it so bad we've come to that? No, it should be the first thing we do. P make prayer your first move, not your last resort. Verse three, J Japhat was terrified. In other words, he, he was afraid. Look, it's a natural reaction. When difficulty, storms, and trials, and war comes against you, the natural reaction, no matter how spiritual you are, he just came out of revival. He feared. He was terrified. So it's all right to have that initial feeling of fear, but it's what are you going to do with that? Are you going to begin trying to figure out your own strategy, or are you going to do what Japhat does here? Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He began to pray. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So the people from all the towns of Judah came. If you're reading this today in your, in your Bible, I want you to underline that phrase, came. They came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So when he received this news, his first reaction was not to panic was not to devise. He didn't call his warlords and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to, what's the weakness of this enemy? What are we going to do? What did he do? He prayed. He prayed. And he proclaimed a fast for the people. And the people came to Jerusalem. In other words, he didn't say, hey, y'all pray wherever you are. He said, this is critical. We need to come together to Jerusalem, to the city of God, and we need to pray together. It's not up to me, Japhat, to pray along, but we need to pray together. One of the horrible things about COVID, you know, a lot of people say, well, the church has been declining since COVID. I, you, you don't know the truth. I see all these posts on the internet that said, well, the church is declining. Church attendance is declining. That's not true. I'm telling you, the truth is the church is growing and there's more people coming to church. But the sad thing is some people who used to come to church don't come. Don't come. And so COVID has destroyed this, this feeling, of, uh, the habit of people of coming to church. They've got out of the routine and they're not back. I'm thankful for those of you that have come back, but there's still people that haven't come back. But you see, the church gathering together, we need to come together because there's just something that happens together at church. People say, well, you know, I just, I just feel so far away from God. And God says, well, how long has it been since you come to my house? I've got some things for you that you can't get just by being home. Now, if you're sick and you've got 
a disease, stay home. Watch online. But if you're staying home because it's just more comfortable to stay in your pajamas and drink your coffee, come in your pajamas, drink your coffee, but get here, all right? Anita and I were in Seattle this week for a conference, and we stayed. It's a, it's a nice little hotel over on the water, and, and in the next little room there to us, they had an electric fireplace. Boy, it's beautiful. Just turn it on remotely, and I could change the colors from orange to red to yellow, balance them, all of that. It's just really neat. But you know, when I went up to the fireplace trying to feel the heat, there was no heat. It was just a fake looker. Just a fake looker. And that's the same way of just saying, I'm going to be part of the online church. No, there's something you can't get. You can't feel the heat. Did you feel the heat of the presence of God a minute ago when Jennifer gave that word? Did you feel that presence? You can't get that at home. So I'm saying in the midst of whatever's coming against us, don't neglect coming to church together to worship God. And what happens is when we come together, we pray first. I've got to tell you, what the Lord dropped into my heart a couple of weeks ago about our next series. I'm so excited. I don't know another series I've been more excited. It's simply called When the Church Prays. And the Lord told me today, he said, I'm changing the atmosphere in this church through this teaching, but it's only going to set up what he's going to do is when the church prays. I'm telling you, it's wonderful to have a prayer life in your devotion by yourself, but there's something happens when a church comes together on a Sunday to pray like we did for the needs. There's something that happens when the church comes together to pray in life groups and do the prayer walk and all those other things. There's something that happens when we pray together that we never get get just by ourselves. If you believe that today, give the Lord a hand clap and say amen. So number one, pray first. Second of all, they sang about this a few minutes ago. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Remember the when and thank him in advance for what he will do again. Before you panic, bite your nails, pull back, or afraid, just stop. Look at that and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know that I've been at crisis point before, and I know that you brought me through, and I believe you'll bring me through again. Do you believe that? Here's what he does in verse 5. Japhat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard, the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You're the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. O our God, did not you drive out, look, he goes back in the past now. Did not you drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived, Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here, built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we're faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple, not on our own, but as a group together before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you, save us. Read that last phrase with me. And you will hear us 
and rescue us. Say it again. And you will hear us and you will rescue us. Make it personal. And Lord, you will hear me and you will rescue me. Say it again. And you will hear me and you will rescue me. And now, Lord, let's get honest. You see the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. You see what they're doing. You wouldn't let our ancestors invade those nations when they left Egypt. So we went around them and didn't destroy them. Now, look what they give as a reward to us. For they've come to throw us out of our land, which you've given us as an inheritance. Oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Read this last sentence with me. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. I know you're facing some stuff today. And you said to somebody, I, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do about this? You know, it's all right to talk to the Lord very honestly and say, Lord, you said I could pray and I could cry out to you in this. But Lord, I got to be honest. I've never faced anything this big before. And I don't know what to do. But Lord, we are looking to you for help. Or one translation says, for our eyes are upon you. So remind yourself of God's faithfulness. And number three, ask God for a breakthrough because the battle is the Lord's. Didn't we just sing about that a few minutes ago? Look at this. He says in in verse 12b, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Wow. I just got to stop there just a minute. So often when stuff comes to us, what do we do? We pick up and we text about it or we go on and we say, tell me how to get out of this mess. And we listen and plan a strategy out of this. Or we get together and say, I'm facing something. I don't know what I'm facing. I don't know how to get out of this, you know, in in the midst of all of that. No, some of you today need a breakthrough. I got to be honest, some of you need a breakthrough. I know that. Some people online, you need a breakthrough. You've been praying, you've been holding on, and you need a breakthrough. Well, let me tell you today, just relax, because in this passage, it says the battle is the Lord's. There are some battles, the Lord says, okay, get up your dukes. I want you to go out. I'll work through you. There are other times when we face something that's so big, so big, that there's no way. Jehoshaphat knew that his army was no way that they could take on these three, just like some of you today are facing something so big. And that's been what you say, I don't know what to do. So here's what I'm going to do. First thing, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to look to you, Lord. I'm going to look to you. He said, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with our little ones, wives and children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there, and his name was Jehaziel which means God sees or a vision. Isn't it interesting that sometimes God has to allow storms and difficulties to come to our life to get us to have a vision of what he really wants to do. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. Verse 15, and he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Japhat, This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Read it with me. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Let's say it again. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Tomorrow, now you're going to have to be obedient. You're going to go out against them, but you'll not even need to fight. Take your positions, say positions. In other words, get in place. Everybody here has a place in God's kingdom. Take your positions, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Oh, people of Judah and Jerusalem, he says again, don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Look at this battle strategy. He says, you're not going to need to fight hand-to-hand combat, but you're going to have to have some faith. Because I'm going to send you out against these three approaching armies. You've got to have faith to believe that I can do this for you. It was faith, not fight. And he says, position yourselves. Corey Ten Boom, the author of The Hiding Place and Jewish Survivor, a German concentration camp, used to have people come up to her and say, wow, what great faith you have. She said, oh, no, it's not what great faith I have but it's what a great God I have. Listen, we can be confident in a time of crisis that we've got a God that nothing panics him. He saw it in advance before it came your way. So what he's saying today, this doesn't sneak up on him. He didn't jump up off the throne after seeing what's happened to you this week and said, oh, I didn't see that coming. He's sitting on the throne right now and he says, I know what's coming and I've also got a battle strategy for the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. Jehoshaphat acknowledged that the situation was beyond their control, but not beyond God's control. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. Now, here's what happens. They knew that there were three armies coming against them. And they could see and understand those three armies. But they had to do something. They had to see beyond what they were seeing. And I can't say... The battle you're facing is not real. The marriage difficulties you're going through. Maybe you slept on the sofa last night because you had such a big argument. But you've got to see beyond what you see. You've got to see beyond that crisis in your marriage and say, well, it's just over. Let's get a divorce. But you've got to believe God put you together. And you've got to see that, you know, somehow, some way, well, with God's help, we're going to come through this. And we're going to have a strong marriage that will stand through the storms. And we'll be an example to death. You've got to see beyond what you see. I don't know, Lord. I don't know how to pay these bills. I, I've been faithful. I've looked for jobs. I've done everything I can. And there's, no, there's nothing that happens. You've got to see beyond that. See beyond that. Why? See that God, God understands where you are and he'll never fail you and he'll never leave you in the midst of everything that you're facing. We look at the, we look at the economy today. Oh, wow, what a horrible thing. And then you look on the internet, everybody, oh, it's so horrible right now. The, you know, because this party's in, or because that happened, or because something else. Look, listen, the economy may be down right now. Let's just be honest. I mean, a lot of my investments are down right now. And I talked to my advisor, who's a spirit-filled advisor who works with a lot of people. And he said, I know it looks bad, but you've got to see beyond what you're seeing right now. And you've got to see it different. All right, the stocks are down. So what do you see? It's the best time to buy. You buy now because it will reverse. It will come out. I'm telling you, it's not all doom and gloom. God is still in control. I don't see America falling. I see America standing strong when we get back to believing that the battle is not ours, but God's. 
But you see, if you're believing that the economy is in the hands of the Democrats or Republicans or somebody else, you're going to always struggle because it'll continue change. But it's not about who sits on the presidential seat. It's who sits on the throne of glory. And that's my God in whom I do trust. So take your position. Don't cancel your position. People say, well, I can't serve today because, you know, it's just been a horrible week. I've had a headache. I had a backache. I had this. My kids are throwing up. My vomit's, every, vomit's everywhere. You know, I just, I just can't serve today. And, and in the midst of all this, you know, I just, I know I used to be serving. I used to serve God. I used to be that. But you know what? I just got so many difficulties. I'm going to tell you, there's something happens when you get in your position. When you begin to back away from where God wanted you to be involved, you're going you're to struggle more and more. I'm telling people, find your place, get in that place, and watch God's work. You have your Bible, hold it, hold it from Genesis, and then find the place where Matthew starts, okay? Can you do that? Hold that. And so what you see in the very middle, you know what the very middle verse of the Old Testament is? The very middle verse, so I mean, you got, you got the story of Adam and Eve, you got the story of Daniel and David, you got the story of Moses, you got all the story, you got the story of Malachi, you got all of those, you see all those. You know what the very middle verse is? Here's the middle verse. The battle belongs to the Lord. What God is saying by positioning that verse in the middle of the Old Testament, he's saying, look at what happened in the Old Testament. Look at what happened all the way through. Here is the middle of it. Here's what's important. The battle belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to preach right now, so I got a license to do this. Are you tired, worn out? Could be you're fighting a battle that's not yours. Some of you are more politically minded than you are kingdom minded. You all week long fight battles that are not yours that you can't do anything about. You wake up in the morning. Well, I got to go to CNN. I got to go to Fox. I got to go on the internet. I got to see what senator's fighting somebody else. I got to see what President Biden did wrong. I got to see what Trump said. I got to see what DeSantis said. I got to see what Herkimer Heikimer said. All right, in the midst of all that. And then I got to get on and I got to fight battles because I got to be sure that I make those Democrats know that they're heathen. I got to make sure that those Republicans know that they're stupid. I got to make that so we, we get involved in that. Look, my job is not to make you a, a Republican or a Democrat because I I'm neither. I'll tell you what I am. I am a kingdom-minded person that looks at the individual, looks at their policy, prays, and asks God for the right thing. But I'm not going to get involved in all your little squabbles about this party or that party because I'm part of a kingdom that's bigger than either one of those. And that... The boys read the mission a few minutes ago. We're bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what I'm all about. That's what I'm all about. I thank God that I'm an American. I thank God that he allowed me to be born here. But I'm telling you this, I'm not going to use that to be divisive to people because you don't believe in my political understanding. You don't believe in that. I believe in one thing. God is the king of kings. He sent his son Jesus to die for my sins. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. There'll be wars, troubles, storms. But one of these days he's coming back and I'll go with him and I'll be with him forever and he'll restore everything the enemy has taken. There'll be peace and comfort. 
and you're so freaking worn out, excuse my Greek, because you're fighting battles that are not yours. If you can do something about it, you get involved. Why are you running for a political office? Thank God for Alan Reisman. Alan, would you stand? One of our young men. Alan's a city commissioner, which means in a year or so, he'll be our mayor. And I've talked to him. I said, Alan, why in heaven's name do you want to get involved in that? Because they target you because you're new. You're not the old guard. See, the old guard, you pat my back, I'll pat your back. I'll give you money on the table that nobody knows about. You say, that's been going on in Leesburg? Oh, yeah, it goes on everywhere. But when Alan says, hey, what about this? And then they turn on him. I say, Alan, why would you want to do that? He says, because it's what God put in my heart, that I love my city, and I'll do everything I can to make my city a better place. So I'm going to tell you, if you can do something about it, you do something about it. You say, well, what do we do in the midst of this? We pray and look to God and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, how to vote. I don't know those, but Lord, I know you do. And so I'm trusting in you. So I'm sure I upset some of you right now politically, and uh, that's okay. Because I'm going to tell you, the kingdom of God is bigger than what you see right now. Amen. And some of you are fighting battles. I mean, you go to work, and Sue is upset with Sarah. Sue tells you how bad Sarah is. And what do you do? You take sides. And you begin telling everybody how bad she is. You're fighting a battle that's not yours. If you're not part of the problem or part of the answer, you're just a gossiper. And the Internet's only made that worse, hasn't it? Well, you just need to say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get out of this, but I'm believing that you will do this. If you're tired, maybe you've been sticking your neck into things that are not yours. You need to focus on what God has called you to do. I tell you, we have to cling to the promises of God. God, I thank you that I can cast all my cares upon you because you care for me. God, I believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, I believe that you're working in all these things to bring about a good in my life. Lord, I cling to the promise that you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You are my refuge. You are my strength. You're my hope. No matter what I see facing me, I will trust you no matter what. I don't, I don't, I don't trust because I know what the outcome is. You remember when, remember when Israel was in Babylonian captivity? You'd say, this is not right. This is not right. This is not fair. But what did God say? He said, I want you to pray for the peace of your city. You see, what a kingdom-minded person does politically, they pray for the leaders of our country. Not pray and then post something ugly. I'm tired. I'm tired of people that are called Christians, spirit-filled, and all they get involved with is in battles that they can't handle. How about if we start praying, as God said, pray for your leaders and those that are in authority and see what happens. That doesn't mean you have to believe everything. That doesn't mean that you have to accept them as a great role model in the world. 
but it does mean that God has put them in a level of leadership. It says that God can put one up and take one down. So I'm going to tell you, as we move into this next political system, I dare you, if you're part of the Father's house, to become divisive in the midst of this. I have no idea who should be president, and neither do you. You're not God. You may look upon and have somebody tell you, if you watch one network, they'll tell you how bad the other person is. If you watch that, they'll tell you how bad the other is. I don't know. They're all bad, I guess. I just know that God is good, and I want to be good. How about you? Some of you don't like that. That's all right. God told me to go ahead and do it. Because there's a lot of churches I can send you to that they'll tell you how to vote politically. But we will not do that here. We are part of the kingdom of God in a nation that God has blessed us to be. And we're going to say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to handle this. But I do believe the greatest days of America are ahead. Because I believe you're still the God. We're the greatest missionary sending nation in the world. Now, I know that we've gone so far away from God. Remember when the crisis came, 9-11? Remember all those politicians standing on the steps? What was the song they sang, Amazing Grace? Was that what it was? I don't remember. Holding their hands and praying. We're far from that. I don't know what crisis it'll take to bring us back to that, but I've never lost hope in our nation And I've never lost hope in my God who sees where we are when I put my confidence in him and say, my hope and my eyes are upon you. I trust even when I don't understand the outcome. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. I trust him when I see it doesn't match what he said he's going to do. So number one, pray first. Number two, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Number three, ask God for a breakthrough because the battle is the Lord's. And number four, while you're waiting, get your praise on as you obey God. Get your praise on as you obey God. Then King Japhat bowed low his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then all the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korin stood to praise God the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, hey, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Look at this next sentence. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. You see that? God said, you're facing a crisis. But you don't need to believe the words that you hear on the internet. Because you're listening to somebody. I don't care if they call themselves Reverend Ike of the seventh power to the third dimension. (laughs) You don't know who you're listening to. People say, would you you listen to this prophecy? Would you listen to that? I say, well, no, not really. I listen to the prophets that I know. I know their history. I know what they are. But I'm not chasing down the internet to find something that they're saying exactly what I want them to say. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. He says here, trust in the prophets and you will succeed. God is going to speak to them, not individually. He's not walking up to Vance and then walking up to Bob and walking up to Sarah and walking up to somebody. Now, here's what you need to do. God says, I'll speak to the prophet right now over my people. Ephesians says, God gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. There is a, there is a direction that God works through. He works through pastors and leaders and teachers to speak to us. I have pastors and leaders that speak to us. You need to trust the leaders of this church. 
If you can't trust and submit to the leaders of this church, you need to find some place where you can. Everyone who stands behind this, whether it's Tim or Chris, Andrea, Anita, Ben, the others, if they bring the word, we got to believe it's got. Now, we don't just say, okay, if they say, okay, here's the word of the Lord. Everybody go home and take cyanide. Well, I don't think that matters with the Bible here, so I want to check out. God speaks through his prophets. You can check the word, but God speaks through his prophets. Can I go a little deeper? So we have people come along. So first we started, been doing this almost 30 years. We have people when we first started the church drop in. Oh, it's a new church. I'm so glad God sent the Father's house to our community. We're so good. And by the way, let me show you my degrees. Let me show you. I was a part of a church. I was on the board. I was on this. I spoke every other week. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you about the prophetic words that somebody gave me. And I'm here to say, evidently, this is where God sent me. And I can be everything that you need right now. So I, I want to I be part of this. I say, you do? Yeah, I do. Here's my resume. Okay, here's what I'd like for you to do. We need somebody this week to clean the bathrooms. Oh, that's not what I was looking for. You got your own agenda. So what I found is that when I believed in that early in the early years, I find that some of them, they get their platform and they just split the church and they go somewhere else. You know what I look for? I look for a person. You know where Pastor Chris started serving here? In the parking lot. You know where Pastor Ben started serving? In the parking lot. They never came up to me and said, I feel like I've got a great anointing, a great calling of God, and you should use me, you know, after all I've done this. But they said, where can we serve? What can we do for this church? So we had someone recently (laughs) bring a big, long agenda of theirs. Say, I'm so talented, I'm so good, I'm God's gift to you, I've come, you know, and, and, and all of this. And so in, in the midst of all of that, and then we just simply said, oh, what I've noticed is this, that when you find someone like that, that has their own agenda, that always tells you every prophetic word they have of everything that God is going to do and how that God is going to use them in this church to bring that about, I always say, I've learned this the hard way, I'm going to take that person out. I'm going to set them up on a shelf and I'm going to wait until God humbles them until they come to the place that said, it's not about me. I don't have my own agenda. How can I help the father's house? Where do you need me? Do you need me to rock babies, change diapers? Do you need me in the parking lot? Where do you need me? I've seen, you see, until a person is able to get to that place and to submit to the leadership of the church, you're never going to fulfill all that God has for you. And you need to quit trying to push yourself because here's what happens when you first start serving then your gift will make room for you and you don't have to tell somebody how great you are. I'm telling you, we're gonna stay on track with God and hope that God helps all of us, amen? Well, so far for that. So this gentleman simply said, after we had a little come to Jesus meeting, um, well, I guess I don't fit here because there's too much hierarchy. Yeah, there is hierarchy here for your protection. But you know, I'm not upset that he said I don't fit here. I'm just thankful he realized before he got in too deep 
I can't submit to the leadership of this church. I'm telling you as clear as I can tell you right now, and I don't fear that, that if you can't submit to the leadership of this church, as long as we submit to the word, all right? I mean, if I go screwy crazy, we do have elders and overseers that come in. People say, well, how do we know when you're screwy or crazy? Well, you'll know, <laughs> but we hope it doesn't happen. And they have the authority to set me down and say, no, you're not the person. But I'm saying this, please hear my heart, not arrogant. Please hear my heart. If you can't submit to the leadership of this church, whoever's in the pulpit, then you need to find a place where you can. People say, well, the stylistics are not right. I don't like this. I don't like something else. Well, then stop rocking the boat. Find a place that you can get rowing a boat going somewhere in the right direction. Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Can't you hear Japhat? Here it is. Give thanks to the Lord. And his faithfulness endures forever. Mic drop. What a song to sing. The army's approaching. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to give thanks to you, Lord, because your faithful love endures forever. I thank you, God. I may have cancer, but cancer does not have me. I praise you right now. I, I believe that you fight for me, Lord. Your hand is on me. He said, then they looked over the edge. After they, as they started singing, they looked over the edge from En Gedi, which those of you are going to the Holy Land with us in December, We'll be able to see. And they saw all the mass of the armies, thousands of them, dead. They turned on one another and killed one another. But you see, that wasn't the end of the story. Then the story, look at this. At that very moment, they began to sing praises, the armies of Moab and all that. They were all defeated. Verse 25, and King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. A vast amount of equipment, clothing, and valuables took them three days. On the fourth day, they said, this is not a valley of burden. This is a valley of blessings. The word of the Lord to someone today is, all you've been able to see is the battle, the battle, the battle. But when you begin looking to the Lord and putting your hope in him, you're going to see what you thought the enemy was coming to destroy you. They're just coming to bring you some money. They're just coming to bring you some hope. They're just coming to bring you something else. Because you are trusting in the Lord. Well, if you receive that today, give the Lord a hand clap and say amen, amen, amen. <laughs> David said, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the, Lord. in the name of the Lord our God. One of these days, God will restore and right every wrong. Well, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We're going to trust in the name of the Lord. As Jennifer said, some of you maybe feel like you're ready to give up. You feel like you're on the edge, but it's not over. If you're still alive, it's not over. Our God is still in control. Can I pray for you today? Would you bow your heads? So, Father, we pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do a work in the hearts of your church.
Those who feel a burden today or pain, or overwhelming sense of disappointment, maybe in their marriage, maybe in a relationship, a health issue, a fear they can't seem to kick, an addiction. It looks like all hope is fading. But Lord, we're going to put our hope in you. We're going to choose to believe in you. Father, we put our trust in you. We cling to you. As you continue to pray for yourself today, let me, let me talk to those of you who, you know you don't have a trust in Jesus. You don't have a hope in God. You may kind of say, well, I sort of believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He was, he was a good person. But if I were to sit down and ask you, hey, how are you doing spiritually? You might kind of just hem-haw around. And, and in essence, you'd simply say, well, I, I don't really know. Let me be just as clear as I can today of who Jesus is. He is a son of God. He was perfect in every way. He never, ever sinned. He came to those that were hurting, hurting and broken. He made a sacrifice for all of us on the cross. He took your sins and my sins so that we could be forgiven. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead so that as many as want to call upon him can be saved. And all of our sins are washed away. If you're here today, and you say, Terry, I don't have that peace. I don't have that joy. I don't have that sense of security. I don't know for sure that my sins are forgiven and that I'm on my way to be with Jesus. Maybe you're watching today. It's not a coincidence that you're watching. God wants to help you today. He wants you to say, yeah, I'd like to get rid of my sin, my past, even my own security, and I want to cling to Jesus. If that's your prayer today, if you say, you know what, I need forgiveness, I need his grace. I want to say yes to Jesus today and give him my life. If that's you, would you make eye contact with me and raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'd like for you to pray for me today. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, yeah, that's me. I want to, I want to ask God right now into my heart and into my life. May those of you that are watching online, it's not an accident that you're there. Those of you that are on uh, the church online, you can just click or you can type in the chat right there. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Those of you who raised your hand, let me lead you in a prayer. We'll all pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.